We're going to be taking a break today from 1 John, and I am going to be speaking today from the very psalm that I read, Psalm 46. You know, one of the most favorite hymns of the church is the great hymn written by Martin Luther, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, written in 1529. And this great hymn was written originally in German, but it was later on translated to English. Luther wrote this hymn amidst a Europe that was at war, a church that was divided in crisis during a time of the Black Plague where even Luther's own son came close to death, a time where Luther was taking refuge in a castle in Wartburg, Germany because he was being hunted as being one of the leaders of the Reformation, and because the society at large wanted him dead for the work that he was doing. This was a time of great, great, great pressure for Martin Luther himself. He almost died from the surrounding pressure. Luther was given to extreme dizziness, fainting spells, and general illness due to distress. Writing at this time, Luther writes, I spent more than a week in death and hell. My entire body was in pain, and I still tremble. Completely abandoned by Christ, I labored on the vacillations and storms of desperation and blasphemy against God. In addition to being a great theologian, Martin Luther was a hymn writer, and he was a great musician and a lyricist. And he put together many hymns of praise for the new church that was breaking out out of the Reformer. And a lot of his inspiration for those hymns was found in the Psalms themselves. A mighty fortress is our God is based on one of Luther's favorite Psalms, Psalm 46. And Psalm 46 is an encouraging Psalm of trust in the invincibility of God. Luther called it the Bible in miniature. Luther composed what is arguably his most favorite hymn and most famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress, amidst such adversity that this, that Martin Luther himself found God to be that bulwark that never faileth. Though he had previously taught and even translated the Psalms, Luther now found himself living, living them as never before. And many, many times during this dark and tumultuous period of time in his life and this period of time in history, when things would get rough, Luther would turn to his co-worker Philip Melanchthon and he would say, Philip, come. Let us sing the 46th. And in German they would sing, it transliterates to English, but in German they would sing, A sure strong, stronghold our God is He. A timely shield and weapon. Our helper He will be and set us free from every ill can happen. Martin Luther had an unshakable confidence in God. And Luther had found many times over that he could encourage himself in the Lord through the Scripture and through the Psalms. 
I would like to do the same thing today. To come to this psalm and encourage ourselves with just one verse of this psalm. And I want to come to that central truth that we can place our trust and confidence in God. That when times of trouble come, when times of testing come, when we fail in our own strength, that we know that we come to God, the invincible God, God our refuge and strength and take refuge in Him. That we would know that God is our fortress and a bulwark never failing. We're going to take a look at Psalm 46, and we're going to take a look at one verse. Psalm 46, 1. And see that God is a very present help in time of trouble. Now, to give you a brief overview, this is a psalm of praise and confidence that the believer can have in God. In the person of God and in the presence of God, and in the love of God. The psalmist draws several conclusions to strengthen the believers in tumultuous times. And I think that's very telling, right? Because it's not always in good times. It's in tumultuous times. It's in times of trial. It's in times of testing that we really find ourselves being drawn near to God. And the psalmist states that a believer can have confidence in God from threats, from creation, from from natural instability, and we see that happening in our world, from threats from nations, political instability. Why? Because God watches over His people. That's the simple premise in the psalm. Therefore, in times of trouble, the believer can come and rest in our God. And ultimately, the believer can say what the psalmist says at the end of Psalm 46. Cease striving. Be still. And know that I am God. So let's look at this text. Psalm 46.1 God is our refuge and strength. A present help in trouble. You notice at the very beginning that everything rises and falls and holds in God. It all holds in God. This is the Hebrew term for the word God. It is Elohim. And Elohim is is plural for majesties. It expresses the plurality of God. Elohim is the same word used in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who is he talking about? Elohim, plural, for majesties. Genesis 1-2, and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Elohim, was moving upon the earth. Genesis 1-3, then God, Elohim, said, let there be light. Elohim is the creator God, the basic meaning behind the, the name of Elohim is one of strength, or power of effect. It's the God who affects. It's the God who has power. It's the God who has the ability to change. Elohim is infinite, all-powerful God who shows by His works that He is the Creator, the Sustainer, and the Supreme Judge of the world. The psalmist makes an amazing, amazing statement. And this is what I love about the Word of God because it's the subtleties in the Word of God that bring out the glory of God. 
The psalmist makes this amazing statement in these first three words. He begins with God, Elohim, but he proceeds to state, Elohim, God is our, and that God is to the believer, a personal God who reveals himself to the believer. Therefore, because God is our, because God is personal, therefore the believer's hope, the believer's confidence, the believer's assurance comes not from a concept and it comes not from an ideology, but rather from the person of God himself. I want, I want you, are you following me with this? That God himself is the source. It's not the knowledge of God. It's not the doctrine of God. It is the person of God himself that the psalmist is referring to. For the believer, it is God himself which is the source. Not money, not confidence, not armies, not political processes, not institution, but the Lord God Almighty. That is the confidence of the believer. And to emphasize this point, the psalmist uses the personal possessive word describing Elohim. And he says of him, God is our refuge and strength. Now, the two words is and our establishes two points. Establishes two points. First, it speaks of God, the object in the sentence. God is, is refers back to God. God is, right? Is points to the character of God. God is holy. God is just. God is love. God is righteousness. Is points us to something definite about God. So just a simple word like that. And it points us to something definite. The second thing that it does is the psalmist says, God is our. Our shows God's possessive quality. Personal in nature to those who love him. Uh, let me step that back again. Personal in nature to God to those who love him. How often do you hear of people saying, well, they refer to God as the man upstairs. They refer to God as some, some concept, something indistinct. But to the believer, God is personal. God lives in the believer. It is in him that we live and move and have our being. It is because of God that the believer can feel conviction. It is because of God that the believer could feel encouragement. It is because of God that the believer can come to a place of faith and trust Him for things unseen. Why? Because God is our. He is personal. Now I want to make a point. He is personal, but He is still, and He does not lose this. He is still the infinite, almighty Elohim, the glorious God in splendor. Because he is personal to the believer doesn't mean that we as believers have the right to diminish his standing, to bring God down to our level. 
No, he's personal, but it's personal with adoration. I love God. How, how magnificent is our God? How amazing is our God? How awesome is our God? Is ours forms a personal, possessive definition regarding the God, Elohim? And what is directed to the believer in this psalm and in the opening statement and what follows throughout the entire psalm is God's display of grace and goodness toward those who love Him. Toward those who love Him. So what follows in these verses are three truths. You could think of them as, as three principles. You could think of them as three virtues that God is to those who love Him. And the first one is, God is our refuge. He's our refuge. That word simply means, you know, shelter. He is our shelter. And it could be a shelter from nature. It could be a shelter from armies. It could be a shelter from people. It could be a shelter from circumstances. It could be a shelter from the enemy. Believers find refuge in God. Let me say that again. Believers find refuge in God, in the person of God. Believers can shelter in God. Think about it. If a hurricane was coming and they were telling you, seek shelter, go into a building, what do you do? You don't stand outside and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm outside the building. Everything is good. What do you do? To, in order to seek shelter, you go in. For believers to seek shelter, we go in. And we are in. If we are believers, we are in Christ. And if we are in Christ, we are in God. But we find refuge in there. We are able to take sanctuary in God. Listen, Psalm 62 Verse 7 gives us a, a great example of this. Psalm 62, verse 7. It reads as follows. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge. There it is. My refuge, my shelter is in God. One of the things that I, I want you to appreciate about Scripture is that every jot in every tittle is divinely inspired. So the words that we read when we read Scripture, these words have been divinely breathed through 40 different authors across 1,600 different years, all of varying backgrounds, most of whom were not contemporaries of each other. And right here in Psalm 62, we have a great illustration of that shelter. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. Where does my glory and my salvation rest? It rests on God. He is the rock of my strength and I can run in Him and I can take refuge in God. Look also at Psalm 18.2. It's another great illustration of this definition. Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Boy, that sounds like a mighty fortress is our God, doesn't it? 
The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom what? I take refuge. In whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. The writer of Psalms affirms that in times of difficulty, in times of tribulation, in times of temptation, the believer can shelter in God. The believer not only hides in God, but in that shelter or refuge, the believer finds something else. In sheltering in God, in this place of refuge, the believer finds strength. And that strength refers to an absolute mighty strength. Strengthen within the shelter of God. So not only going into the shelter of God do we find refuge, but it is there that we find not only refuge, but in that refuge we find strength. I think I was thinking about that. I said, God is not like some helicopter parent that is always out there seeking to protect the kids from anything that can hurt them. You know, if anybody knows anything about helicopter parents, it's my wife. You know, all the parent conferences that she has with people coming in and, you know, kids are never... Never bad on their own, and she's the bad one. You know, the school's the bad one. They fail him. But that's not God. He doesn't shield his people from all harm and avoid conflict. Rather, what God does is he equips his people to be strong, to be in the power of his strength. God has chosen for the believer many times of testing and trials. And I know there's many of you who could shout an amen to that one, right? It is in these times of weakness, times of perplexity and dismay, hurt and confusion, that we see our weakness and that God's power is real and genuine and able to pick you up even though many times you don't feel it. There are times of weaknesses where you can get so down that you just want to throw in the towel. There are times of weaknesses where sorrow and hurt just surround you and you find it hard to to move. But it is in these times, in the refuge of God, that God becomes our strength. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh. Right? Everybody, there's so many iterations. I've heard so many sermons about the thorn in the flesh and what the thorn was. Some people say, oh, it was his eyesight. He had bad eyesight. But, you know, Paul talks about it and says, a messenger from Satan was sent to buffet me. I don't think it was his eyesight. I think it was profoundly something more than that. He says a messenger from Satan was, was there. And he said, of this, of this, I entreated the Lord three times. Lord, take this from me. Lord, take this. Now listen, you got to get the, the full picture here. This is 
Paul. I mean, this isn't some wishy-washy Sunday Christian churchgoer. This is a man who was beaten for his faith, imprisoned for his faith, whipped, maligned, ostracized, lost his whole life, lost everything. And he goes to the Lord three times and says, Lord, take this from me. You remember what, the, uh, what he said about his response in 2, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9? He writes this, and I'm quoting from the King James. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How does that make sense? Seriously. I mean, is that what you want to hear from the Lord? Lord, I got this problem, Lord. Take it from me. And the Lord says, nah, remain weak. Because in weakness, I'm going to display my strength in you. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength. And he will come to our rescue. The Apostle Paul, he told the church at Ephesus, he said in Ephesus 6.18, he said, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In the strength of whose might? In the strength of His might. God's might. Psalm 28, 7 echoes this sentiment even clearer. He says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him. I am helped. Therefore my heart exults, and with my song I shall thank Him. And I love that. The Lord is, there goes that word is, right? The Lord pointing back to the character of God. The Lord is, what is he? My strength. And he is what else? My shield. He is the very thing that moves me forward. And the Lord is the very thing that I use for defensive measures to block the fiery missiles of the evil one. In addition to God being our refuge or our shelter, to being the believer's strength, there's one other virtue that God, Elohim, is for the believer. And we find it here in verse 1. And that is, He is a very present help in trouble. There's an irony. God is found in distress God is found in trouble. God is found in temptation. God is found in persecution. God is found in tumultuous times. God is found in our trials. But not only is God found there, but God is to the believer a present help. Not a wishy-washy thought. Not something to whitewash, to assuage your insecurity. But God is very present help. Commenting on this text, Charles Spurgeon writes of this text. He never withdraws himself from his afflicted. He is their help. Truly, 
effectually, constantly. He is present or near them, close at their side. Do you believe that about God? Ever present, always near. And just think about it, if we hide ourselves in Him, if we are in Christ, how near is near? I mean, immediate. As a matter of fact, the psalmist writing of this verse emphasizes the nearness of God by using the term very. Though this word means muchness, it means force, it means abundance. The thought, it expresses the idea of being exceedingly, being greatly, very, very near. So it speaks of God not merely being help, but exceeding help. Great help. In times of trouble. Why is it so many times that the last one we think of running to is God Himself? Why is it that so many times, and it's happened to me time and time again, do we resort to pragmatism? We resort to trying to fix the problems ourselves. But we completely, completely forget that it is God that we need to run to. It is God that we need to beseech. It is God that we need to be before. Listen, it is this truth of Psalm 46 that causes Martin Luther to write the second stanza of the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Listen to the words that Luther penned. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fell Him. How can Luther pen such words. How would any person be able to declare such truth without first knowing the truth that our God Elohim is exceedingly great help, great help, abundant help to the believer and to those who trust exceedingly in Him. So we see just from this first verse alone Just this first verse. Three important truths regarding our God and how we can turn to Him in times of trouble. First, we see that the believer, for the believer in Christ, God Elohim is our, our refuge, our shelter. A place where we can hide and be safe in the person of God. Secondly, we see that God is our strength and He strengthens the weary, encourages the brokenhearted, reinvigorates our souls. And God does all of this in our times of trouble and in our times of testing. It is in these times 
that we feel we do not have the capability or the strength to take another step, but that our God becomes our strength. And of course, thirdly, our God is present to the believer. How present? Very present. Exceedingly present. Abundantly present. God is near at our side, both in us and to us. He does not abandon us. God does not leave us as others do. He does not abandon believers to their enemies. God is present in trial. Despite magnification of persecution, a believer can have the confidence in God, be encouraged in God, be strengthened in God, be protected for God, and the believer can have assurance from God. Listen, it was the Apostle Paul himself who wrote these great words in his epistle to the Romans, Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. Martin Luther wrote in the final stanza of this great hymn, he writes of the confidence he has in God. Listen to his word. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them, abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through Him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. I love that stanza that says, the Spirit and the gifts are ours through Him who with us sideth. God is on the side of the believer. He is on the side. He is not sitting on the sideline. He is for the believer in Christ. No matter who you are, no matter what your position in life, no matter what your station, it is God that is on our side. God sides with the believer in Christ. God is for the believer in Christ. God truth abideth still, therefore they can kill the body. And Christianity is littered with the blood of martyrs from all over in whom they have killed the body, but today their ministry and their legacy continues to go forward. They can beat the believer. Our adversary may attack and attack and attack, but we can continue to stand. We may and more than likely will suffer loss. We may suffer the loss of our money, our homes, our jobs, even our very own lives. But it does not negate the central truth that God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble. That truth is eternal for the believers. It's ours to apprehend with our minds and with our emotions and with our spirit. And that truth is contained in God's Word. And that truth is for the believer. Listen, Christian brother or sister. 
Be encouraged. As the Apostle Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Know that whatever the trial, even though we may feel weak, God will give us strength to stand, the strength to get up again, the strength to live our lives in such a manner that honors Christ. When I get downcast, when I get discouraged, I think of the words of two men that have put fingerprints on my life. One is my dad who said to me, be faithful to the call which God has called you because on that great day you will be judged by faithfulness. Not by how many people you have in your church, not how wide or deep is your ministry, but were you faithful to what God had given you? And the second person is my brother Dan Garlick who days before going home to be with the Lord made a, made a personal point to call me and tell me, Brother Mark, I'm going home to be with the Lord. He said, but before I do, he said, I want to give you this advice. Finish well. Finish well, brother. Finish well. Run the race, brother. But finish well. May we all finish well for the glory of God, for the glory of Christ, and for the glory of the gospel. For on that day there will be a great reward. As the Apostle Paul put it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And not only me, but to all who love his appearing. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord.